edition of the Channel Futures podcast, Coffee with Craig and James. I'm the editorial director of Channel Futures, Craig Galbraith. Joining me, as always, Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Our esteemed news editor, Mr. James Anderson. James, how are you? Well, here I am, Craig, sitting in front of you, giving this podcast a second chance again. (laughs) You picked up on my musical selection there. Oh, yeah, and I got some good associations uh, from my childhood with, with Shinedown. I think my first real memory with them was uh, was in 2010. I know that was a 2008 <laughs> song, but uh, it definitely goes back in my mind. Yeah, yeah, 2008, and you know why I'm doing this, right? 2008, it's the 108th episode of the podcast. We're, we're getting closer. You know, by mid-year, end of the year, we're going to get up to that 122nd uh podcast and then it's going to get scary i'm going to have to actually come up with an original idea it's terrifying craig but you know what you're resourceful and you're going to pull one out of your hat you know i, I believe in you <laughs> yeah i hope so kind of like uh, bullwinkle did and now hey rocky watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat Again? that was kind of before your time i remember he always pulled a rabbit out of his hat <laughs> interesting <laughs> anyway <laughs> Yeah, so I, I'm also hoping that if our listeners uh, got tired of us uh, or annoyed by us uh, last year, uh, that they give us a second chance as well. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. You know, you hope so. It's the, it's the time of year where you set aside your differences and, and you give people a blank slate. And, uh, it's new beginnings. It's, yeah. it's new beginnings for sure. All right, so uh, speaking of new beginnings, uh, with the beginning of a new year, we have so much to look forward here at uh, Channel Futures at uh, Channel Partners Conference and Expo. You know, it got me thinking back, James, do you ever have any of those weird things that you remember from your childhood that you have no real reason to remember? It's just sort of a a consequence of something bizarre happening in your brain. Like listening to Shine Down, yeah. Well, yeah, listening to Shine Down, Comedy One. I always remember, at the turn of a new year, I remember when I was just a kid and we had some sort of a book in school that we had to forecast what our life would look like in the year 2000. Now, for you, uh, there wouldn't have been a lot to reflect on at that point. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, 2000, and I turned 27 in the year 2000. So when you're like eight years old and you're predicting where your life would be, we had to fill that out in a book. And I always remember that when we turn uh, turn into a new year. And I have no idea what I wrote in that book, uh, where I thought I would be, but the memory of writing in the book, it sticks with me, probably just because it was a memory of youth. And now that I'm growing into being an ancient old man, it's one of those crazy things. Uh, how about you? Well, I can just imagine little, little Craig being like, I want to be, I want to be the voice of telecom one day. I want to, I want to help. <laughs> I want to help indirect sales uh, 
partners uh, help their customers make good technology purchasing decisions. <laughs> I bet Are that's you, what he said. Do you, I, yeah, I, I probably did say that, uh, and I just don't remember it. Did I talk like Mickey Mouse? Also, though, I was just wondering. That was just the the, the filter they had back in the back in the eighties. <laughs> so, <laughs> love that, love that. No, that's that's great. Uh, New Year, I'm excited for it. I hope you are too, buddy. Yeah, it, we're gonna we're gonna kill it. We're gonna have a good time. All right, so uh, as we used to call it, a personal deep dive, or maybe you can deliver it a little better. Personal deep dive. Uh, talk I've, to me about what, what you've been up to. Uh, I want to know what is in the life of Mr. James Anderson since we last got together. And, you know, we our last podcast uh, was just before the holidays. You know, we're getting off to a bit of a slow start with the podcast in January. Understandable. You know, we're just getting ramped back up here. But uh, tell, me what, tell me what's been going on in your life because I know our casties want to know. And if they want to know, then you know I want to know. Yeah, Craig, a uh, great month, had uh, an endoscopy, saw my family, ate a lot, watched good Oh, oh, oh hold on, hold games. on, endoscopy, hold, hold on, you just kind of blew past that one there. What, what was the endoscopy all about? Oh, I got like some acid refluxy type things, and it was like, it was pretty rough like a couple months ago, but actually, I spent a month under my mother's incredible cooking, and it almost like kind of healed me like in time for the endoscopy. So I had scheduled the endoscopy uh, kind of a long ways out. So by the time I went to that endoscopy, you know, everything was pretty normal. Okay, good to hear. Everything ship shape over here. Just a little acid reflux and, uh, and uh, mild uh, neuroticism. I saw the moms and pops and, and the nephews and the sisters and the brother-in-law and watched a lot of football, watched Michigan win its first ever Big Ten championship game. That was oh, pretty yeah. cool. Um, watched the Lions win their first game of 2021. That had me in tears. Uh, <laughs> so, honestly, a great end to the year. How did your year close out, Craig? Uh, it was good. Uh, I can't claim uh, the same success in uh, sports, but I did enjoy Well, actually, my Seahawks still wound up with quite a few more wins than your Lions did, but we've got a bar set a little higher than uh, you Detroit fans do. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a great end of the year. Got to uh, see uh, my parents uh, in December. Had an excellent holiday season. Got in a lot of football watching as well. And, you know, kicked off 2022 strong. So uh, there you go. It sounds like a, a terrific endeavor, Craig. And and, and uh, raising a glass now to more of such endeavors in 2022. All right. So this podcast is uh, only going to get better in 2022 as well, or at least stay the same. You know, we don't want to uh, set our bar too high here. Uh, but the guests, no doubt, will get even better. And uh We've got a couple of them on this podcast we should talk about. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Dave Dyson? Yeah, our friend Dave Dyson. He is a, an agent legend, a uh, partner advocate, someone who has been, I think, running his own firm for about 13 years and had a lot of really juicy insights on what he thinks is going to happen in 2022 in technology. And some of the this, the word on the street that partners are talking about, we kind of went to him and we, we got all the juicy tidbits about what's going on in the mind of the modern partner. So I thought it was pretty, pretty cool. 
Yeah, we'll get to the interview with Dave uh, here in just a minute. It was a good one. So uh, also 2022, I'd be remiss if we didn't look ahead and talk about how it's going to be a huge year for the Channel Futures and Channel Partners brands. Uh, I want to talk about our events, uh, if you don't mind, uh, my friend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. So we were coming off such a successful Channel Partners uh, Conference and Expo homecoming event in November as the first chance uh, the channel got together in mass in two years. So that was fantastic. So we're building on that for April 11th through 14th. We're going to be back in Vegas, this time at the Venetian, which is always a big hit with the partner audience. And we're going to also bring back the MSP Summit portion of that event. So it's going to be, yeah, we're just building on what we did in the spring. And then in the fall, we're going to Orlando for our first ever standalone MSP Summit. So uh, it's going to be a fantastic a couple of events. And... Don't forget, Channel Evolution Europe returns live. Uh, we're pretty excited about this one because it's going to be part of London Tech Week, the famed London Tech Week in June. So uh, check the Channel Futures website for all of the details on all of those events. Of course, you can check out channelpartnersconference.com, channelevolutioneurope.com, themspsummit.com. We've got a lot of dot-coms out there, but uh, plenty of information to be had about our events and, and hope you'll be excited to attend them. Yeah, no doubt you'll see some linkage on this landing page, and I hope to see you all there. We're going to have a great time. We're going to learn a lot. We're going to network, and we are going to set this channel on fire in the best way possible. You said it well. You said it well. In fact, uh, we've already got a couple things on the agenda for the Vegas show. Uh, our motivational speaker, Don Yeager, a uh, sports writer and author. You know, he's rubbed shoulders with a lot of great athletes, uh, Michael Jordan, uh, coaches like John Wooden, Pat Riley. He's going to, uh, you know, basically do a little motivational thing on how we can be great, not just you and me, but uh, namely our audience, because you and I are, you know, we, we've reached a peak, I think. Yeah, I would say we're we're at the pinnacle of our performance. <laughs> And uh, keeping up the sports theme, we've already got Jay McBain, renowned Forrester analyst, who has been on this show a couple of times. I cannot confirm nor deny that. He's going to have another presentation, skating to where the puck is going to be. So uh, a Canadian at heart, Jay will be there with a little bit of a sports analogy as well, but he's also going to be helping our audience uh, grow their business. So already an agenda coming together. We're going to have a lot more on the website here coming up in the next uh, few weeks. Yeah, excited for that uh, and excited to kind of unveil the next advisory board that we've built, the the agent oh, yeah. advisory board. We've been putting that together. That's a, a really a first of the kind of its kind sort of thing. We've had other advisory boards, um, but not one that's exclusive to channel partners, to customer facing agent partners. So I'm really excited for that, really excited for some of the editorial stuff that's going to come out of that. So it's going to yeah. be fun. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's going to drive some of our coverage to have a lot of our key agent friends uh, on a board uh, that can help us uh, guide that direction. And uh, I look forward to seeing much more of your coverage here coming up in the months to come. What's up with the MSP 501? I heard there's some changes going on there. Yes, yes, absolutely. Sort of a, one of our crown jewels at Channel Futures. Uh, usually we don't open the application period for the world's largest and most comprehensive listing of managed service providers out there until March 1st, but we're doing it uh, February 1st 
uh, this year. So coming up here in just a few days, I'm going to give you managed service providers a chance to get your applications in earlier than usual. And then it gives us more time to uh, crunch the numbers and take a look and see uh, who deserves to be among that MSP 501. Of course, we'll have our big gala uh, later on in the year at the MSP Summit in Orlando in September. So uh, good stuff coming with the MSP 501. So hitting all sides of the channel, my friend. I love that. Good, sir. I love that. Speaking of things we love, Dave Dyson, uh, why don't we get into uh, that interview that you uh, set up here just a few minutes ago? I'm game. Let's chat. We're really excited to bring to you our next guest, Dave Dyson, the CEO and chief strategist for Chicago-based Eclipse, uh, uh, a very strong um, partner firm in the Chicago area. And if you've spent any time in the channel, you have most definitely uh, heard or read Dave's words. One of the funner people in the industry. How, how are you doing today, Dave? I'm, I'm doing great, James. Thanks for having me. Um, I'll, I'll go full disclosure of my, my stress level, um, having to be on a podcast with the dulcet uh, tones of, of Craig Galbraith here. And, and I, so, so if, you, if you catch me like deepening my voice, it's just because I'm trying to be more like Craig, if that's all right. <laughs> I love that, Dave. I'll, I'll try not to be as uh, as dulcet as I usually am. How's that sound? That's good. If you, if you want to go a little nasally and talk through your nose like me, that would be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. So I'm a little like this. How's that? You, you don't sound <laughs> sound nasal, though. I got I got to tell you, Dave. But uh, no, I I appreciate that. And uh, I I just want to know, James, is it now that you're in Chicago and have been for a while? Is that like a requirement that uh, you have to be based in in the greater Chicago area to be on this podcast? What's the deal? Oh yeah, it's a, it's a very exclusive club now. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't. I like don't know anyone in Chicago, so I'm I'm no. <laughs> I'm no broker of Chicago community at this point, so. I thought you were a social butterfly over there, no? Someday, maybe, someday. Yeah, yeah. All right, Dave, well, we've got a lot we want to get into. You're an outspoken guy uh, in the channel community, which is, is certainly great for a podcast, but uh, throw you a softball uh, here to start with. Uh, got to let folks know who aren't that familiar with you and your business a little bit about what Eclipse is all about, background, uh, sort of how the business has evolved over the years. Sure. Thanks. Thanks, Craig. Um, yes. Uh, so Eclipse is about 12 and a half years old. We started here in Chicago um, on, on this basic premise that that I, I believe that communication is the most important thing that human beings do. And, and I also think it's the most important thing that businesses do. So uh, we, we set out with this idea that we would help larger enterprise customers solve for some of the complexity of moving information around the globe and, and, and you know, enabling and engendering great customer experiences and uh, great employee experiences and, and using technology to be an enabler. So uh, we've been at it for about 12 and a half years, people sitting in five states uh, right now on Team Eclipse. And, you know, generally we're, we're, we're very focused in that sort of Billion dollar and upsize company um, that's either you know spread around the country or global in nature. Love that, love that. And how have the last couple of years gone? Is you know what what sort of pivots has the company made? How has business been going? Why? What happened in the last couple of years, James? Anything? Uh, uh, it, it, it's been horseshit the last couple of years for all of us. Um, I've it, been asleep the last couple of years. <laughs> this, this has been this has been a, a taxing time uh, for all of us, emotionally, mentally. The the business is is good and it's healthy and it's doing well, but there are some new realities. Um, we've had to pivot 
in, in all sorts of ways. I mentioned I have folks in five states. Well, two years ago, I had folks in one state, Illinois. People have spread out during the pandemic. And, and you know, we being a, a company that traffics in this technology, we certainly allowed for that. And and now I've got people coast to coast, um, you know, north to south, to, you know, tip to tail. So I, I think it's um, a reimagining and a rethinking of just about everything we're doing. Customer acquisition has been an adventure in this era because many of the tricks of the trade we've used in this channel for so long, um, everything from, you know, lunches to, to ball games to going into a customer's office and blowing their minds by sitting at their whiteboard, all of these things have, have come into question. So we're, we're all rethinking, we're all revisiting. And um, my big one for this era, guys, is is how do you maintain culture? We we at Eclipse are a culture-driven company. We, we care deeply, uh, like most folks in this channel do, about each other, about our customers. And we, we had a really fun, r- really high-performance culture, but a lot of that was based on the interaction of people being in an office. So um, we're trying everything under the sun to maintain and continue to grow our, our world-beating culture. And that, that's one of the ones I spend a lot of time thinking about these days in terms of things that need to change and, and pivot and evolve in this you know new hybrid era. I mean, Dave, this is another follow-up, but as you're seeing the, cust- the, the employees spread out, is it in terms of customer acquisition, are you seeing geographically? I know these are, you know, national, international companies, but difference in terms of maybe where these customers are headquartered that you're finding different customers there? You bet. We've actually been able to, um, uh, you know, sort of spread out. Like a lot of folks, the, the you know, the, the customers we acquired over the years were, were fairly what I'll call upper Midwest centric, uh, you know, think Chicago, Milwaukee. Since, since the pandemic had, you know, all bets are sort of off and it's really just about connecting with people who need the help and expertise that we have. And so um, at, at this juncture, we have customers now headquartered in Texas and California and, and, and even a couple that are HQ'd in Europe. And I'll, I'll tell you an interesting trend we've spotted in the last couple of years. And, and this is probably going to dovetail into some some further conversation about what's going on in the channel writ large. But bigger and bigger companies are, are finding their way to our doorstep in the last couple of years. And they want our help and they want our expertise and, and they want our unadulterated and unfiltered opinions on how they need to be digitally transforming in this era of hybridity and moving people out, you know, out of offices and into their homes, maybe forever. I'm seeing bigger and bigger customers looking for the help. And, and I think the opportunity for the entire channel is enormous right now as a result. Hey, Dave, uh, speaking of big companies, uh, James here tells me I got to check it out so that you Put on your Karnak. Isn't that the guy's name from uh, Johnny Carson the <laughs> yeah. show back in the day? That's before James's time. He, he doesn't he doesn't remember the stuff. But uh, I guess you did uh, some predictions here uh, in a blog on LinkedIn uh, talking about Amazon, Salesforce, Microsoft, Google, some of these big guys I'm going to flex a bit on the telecom and, and uh, customer experience CX industries. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you wrote, what that might look like, and, and should partners be concerned about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and Craig, you don't have to apologize for not making it all the way through the, my 3,000-word magnum openness every year of, uh, of, of the Dave, Dave Stradamus predictions. But, uh, but, but here's, <laughs> here's the thing. So, so CX, you're talking to somebody who's in this small group in this channel who's who's evangelizing hard on this topic. I think 
It is the most important and biggest opportunity in the entire channel right now, bigger than cybersecurity. I think it's the thing that is going to be most heavily invested in over the next couple of years by the enterprise. They are going to be buying solutions and technologies that help them better engage with their customers, drive revenue, be more efficient, you know, while their customers delight their customers. I think that side of the house is going to be uh, explosive in terms of spend. And I, and I talked to a lot of my peers who, who've been sort of in this cycle the last bunch of years of, you know, our IT friends and leaders that we work with coming and saying, hey, Dave, love you. You do great work. Now help me save 15 percent. Where all those savings are going to be going from the traditional infrastructure side, UCAS, et cetera, are into customer-driven customer experiences, employee engagement, employee efficiency, getting to the revenue side of the house. So uh, with that, uh, I, I think there's some players around the periphery who've been sort of nosing around the last bunch of years, companies like Google and Salesforce and Amazon and Microsoft, who are going to come in guns blazing on this topic of CX and saying, if you read my predictions article, I particularly call out Salesforce, uh, you know, and saying these guys have more customer data and analytics that they can drive. You have, you know, Microsoft with their BI tools. There's stuff that these guys can do that the traditional partners that we've worked with cannot get to. And so it's going to become an information data and analytics game. And as these guys start to acquire more and more tools, see Salesforce's acquisition of Slack, for instance. You know, Microsoft, I, I predict in my article, will buy a contact center, a major CCAS player this year. So I think these guys are going to come roaring into the space. Uh, the question is, will they be channel friendly? Uh, how will they go to market? Are they going to embrace us or, or, or sort of fight us? It, it's going to be a very interesting year or two as as the behemoths with unlimited amounts of money come into the space and start um, sort of stomping around in our sandbox. That's my that's my speculation on it. Yeah, certainly hoping that uh, it is a channel friendly approach, but uh, we are going to definitely alert our CCAS reporter Ever Gately about that. You know, start writing that story, <laughs> man, because uh, let's get him uh, on it. Yeah, there's so many M&A stories this year. So, Dave, you also talked about blockchain as one of your predictions, saying that blockchain is going to enter the mainstream in 2022. What exactly does that look like? Are our partners going to be selling NFTs to their customers, or what does that look like? That's, that's a great question. Maybe you just gave me an idea. Maybe I need to start uh, like doing little video snippet NFTs of dumb shit Dave says and putting that out in the world and see if anyone wants to buy it. <laughs> If, if you read in the article, I also have a meme, the Mean Girls meme there that says, stop trying to make blockchain happen, Dave. It's never going to happen because I've been predicting this for a long time. Blockchain, I, I think, is it, it's been this sort of playground of evangelists and true believers and like crypto bros and and like anarchists who want to you know destroy all finance and the government and and i think what's happening now is people are starting to see the promise of it and and, and are starting to understand where it really fits and you're going to start to see you know this thing being monetized and, and productized in a way that it hasn't been and i think a couple of big ones this year i i i'd expect to see you know things like uh video game blockchains um if you're following any of the the gamestop saga stuff it looks like they're getting closer and closer to an nft games as nft thing um i think you're going to start to see um you know contracts for instance living on these ledgers and and i and i think that's all going to start to get productized i don't know exactly how the channel 
is going to participate or not. Um, I, I certainly think that there will be opportunities. I'm not seeing them as clearly uh, as, as my crystal ball sometimes allows here. But I do think uh, blockchain is going to become very prevalent this year in, in, in a number of arenas. Um, and, and, I, and I do think as well that, that it's conceivable you may start to see things like alternative ways to trade stocks starting to happen on the blockchain. I, I just I just think this is unavoidable, and I and I do think I think it's going to start to get embraced in background, and people may not even realize they're transacting things on the blockchain. NFTs are fun, and they're kind of goofy, and and um, you know I certainly did not pay a half a million dollars to live next door to Snoop Dogg in the metaverse, but somebody did. <laughs> so, so so there's a lot of weird stuff happening, but I think the ultimate ultimate underlying technology of blockchain. It's a lot like saying, you know, in 1999, hey, I think this internet thing is gonna gonna have some legs. I do think the blockchain is gonna matter. We're just not seeing all the practical applications yet. Well, one of two things gonna happen if you keep preaching blockchain, Dave, and that's uh, either it is going to hit the mainstream or you'll get enough people to believe it. I mean, we've seen that uh, enough in the last couple of years. <laughs> that's probably <laughs> probably another uh, road that we shouldn't go down. <laughs> Uh, so you've, uh, Dave, spoken about uh, how private equity has been flowing into both the technology solutions brokers and uh, trusted advisor markets. We've certainly seen uh, a ton of it already, uh, at least private equity throughout the channel uh, so far in the first couple of weeks of this year. Could you summarize a little bit about what's going on and, and how that impacts a business like yours? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's a crazy time. I, I'll tell you. I've always joked, Craig, it's September 1st, 2009, uh, started Eclipse. September 2nd, went to the, the Home Depot and got a for sale sign. And, uh, <laughs> um, it, it, you know, it, the thing is, there, there wasn't a lot of appetite for these kind of businesses. And if you talk to people who do what I do, they'll tell you three, four, five years ago, you'd walk into a bank and a bank had no way to even understand our business model. You couldn't get a loan. And, and now suddenly... The world has come around to this thing that we've known all along, which is uh, residual MRC-based businesses have high long-term value. There, there's a fat tail on, on every single thing we do for the most part on, the, on that indirect you know, selling side of the house. And, and that these businesses have uh, extraordinarily, extraordinarily valuable and, and long-term and sticky customer relationships. So you start adding all of that together and... Yeah, the outside money guys have found us. The PE guys have, have come in. I I don't know if anyone's keeping a, a, a ticker. We, we joked about having a, a scroll bar on, on the Channel Futures website before right. we started recording about who's who's taken money or who's been acquired. Um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing sort of a running tally, like debt clock style, Craig, of, of how much money is actually flown in and, 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 and absorbed into this channel. Because it seems to me it's got to be approaching a billion dollars at this point, and, and maybe yeah, it would more. be fascinating. And and, and so so if there's a billion dollars in new money coming in, you know, you have to ask yourself, well, why is that? And and what is that money hoping to do? Is, is it an arbitrage play of of buying up a bunch of agent books and selling it? You know, buying it for five x and selling it for ten? Is it? Are there folks out there trying to build best in class? You know, super agencies. Are there folks trying to build next gen high level? you know, high brain power, high thinking consulting companies? And the answer is yes to all of that, by the way. So so my, my advice, I guess, to anybody, including myself and my own company, is entertain the conversations, listen to what people are saying, 
Um, not every not every money story is going to align with your values and needs, and and, and ultimately, um, you may not not find any that that align at all. But not talking to the money guys at this point seems almost foolhardy. And I, and I know this is a space full of like wildly independent entrepreneurial people who are like, nope, this is my thing, this is my baby. I don't want to give up control. Um, and I and I get that, but but there's opportunities um, that abound. And if you talk to anybody who runs a 10-person company like Eclipse in the space, they're going to say, I have big ideas and I have two limitations. It's people and it's capital to hire those people and to execute on those ideas and to market and sell against those ideas. So um, the capital's here. If you really have big dreams, um, you may want to tap into some of that to see if you can pursue those bigger dreams. That's a great perspective, Dave. Are there any questions that you uh, like to ask these money folks? Any ways that that you're vetting them? Because the record button's on, I'm going to do some Dave self editing and say, um, when when I have talked to him, uh, my first question is is not a um, not a question, but a statement that 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 I will lead to saying this will be a very fast conversation if you can't answer the following two statements in the affirmative that you agree with me. Don't bleep my people. Don't bleep my customers. Um, you can fill in the bleep there if you know me. Uh, um, and, and you know that that's table stakes for a guy like me. Like I don't. This is not about can Dave sell the company and put a pile of money in his pocket. This is can I do something that's going to actually give my employees more opportunities and give my customers even more uh, resources, attention, love than they're getting from us today. Like those those are questions I'd be asking out of the gate. You know, devil's in the details with any of this stuff. And and again, it depends on where you are in your, your life cycle as a business person. I'm I'm a 48-year-old guy. I've got some gray hairs, but I've got some runway ahead of me. And I kind of feel like I'm at the top of my game right now still. And that's exciting. But if, but if you're 62 and you've been at this for 30 years and you just want a, a quick exit, um, you, you know, you want to you want to sell your book and your customers and, and give your team a soft spot to land. Um, that that's a different conversation and a different sale. So again, I think it's very personal, um, and and I think you have to understand what objectives you would have. If I'm going to, you know, make that sort of change, what is it that I'm hoping to get out of it? What are my outcomes? And and then and then start asking your own questions appropriately. And and then the big one is, <laughs> gosh, like yourselves, I know ten people who've sold their companies or taken money on in the last thirty days alone. Um, go talk to those guys, get their lived experience, understand what was important to them, understand the potholes that they stepped in and, and, and you know, get yourself a little sharper. This is an education. Um, I'll say this about the money guys. None of them are stupid. It's a bunch of uh, Ivy League MBA types who, who, who think big and, and understand how capital works. They may not understand all of the nuances of our space and in, in, in all of their glory, but they do understand that uh, very fundamentally value in these businesses there's value in this space and they want to bet and they want to bet big on it so um, we should be entertaining those conversations as a collective right now dave thanks so much that's some great insight for uh our audience out there always love uh getting perspective from folks like yourself before we go i just want to say props uh, to being 48 we'll have to get together at the upcoming uh, cp expo and celebrate uh, year 49 for the both of us how's it sound that sounds perfect my friend and uh uh, as, as I say about birthdays uh, from 48 on, I, I will take as many as the universe is willing to grant me at this point. So. <laughs> you bet, you betcha. Well, thanks for your time. Much appreciated. And thanks for being such a uh, 
a supporter of our brand as well. My pleasure. Easy to do when it's filled with uh, amazing people like James Anderson and, and Craig Galbraith. There, always a pleasure, gents. Ah, Dave. <laughs> what a guy. Craig, that was a fun call. It was an, it was a nice talk with Dave. It's nice getting his, his thoughts on what's going on in technology in general and, and also specifically the channel and, and from this entrepreneurial side. I find it really fascinating. Yeah, Dave never uh, hesitates to speak his mind. That's what I like about him as well. He's a real straight shooter and, uh, you know, appreciate that a lot. All right, James, uh, I created a game for you. Dip my toes in the game lab uh, here. Are you, are you ready for this? You went to the game lab, Craig? I did. I did. I don't know how creative it was, but uh, uh, I'd set it up by saying it's uh, our listeners might remember the generational clashes we had last year, uh, which I know you loved. And in fact, it was your your idea to come up with those. This isn't exactly a generational clash because it's just uh, me trying to make you look foolish as opposed to both of us doing it to each other. But, you know, you'll get your shot probably in the next uh, next podcast if that's the uh, direction you choose to go. Anyway, uh, I thought I would take us back to the 1980s when you were not even a, a thought or a gleam in your parents' eye just yet and uh, review some of the famous theme songs of 1980s TV shows. And then all you have to do is once I play the theme song, you're going to guess what show it was. How does that sound? That sounds good. It sounds like a a real pitfall for me. Um, (laughs) Because I know like you probably don't watch, you probably didn't watch like mainstream shows that I would have any chance of knowing, but... No, 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 no. These These are all pretty mainstream shows. And in fact, all I did was I went to YouTube and uh, I did a search for 80s type stuff. And this was one of the first things that came up. And I just thought it'd be kind of fun. You know, these were shows I'd actually do a lot better on these uh, because I was growing up in the 80s as opposed to if it was like show theme songs from the 90s because, you know, I got into college by then and yeah. was in my early 20s, wasn't paying that much attention to TV. But as a kid, you're growing up. Plus the 80s, it's got that sort of nostalgia to where everything had a theme song you know once we got in the 2000s it's like you think of lost and the entire theme song was like and that was it i mean there was no real theme song i mean some of the some of the shows were excellent but you go back to the 80s a lot of the shows weren't very good but they had good theme songs things you could talk about so uh, I thought I'd play a few for these. Nothing too crazy. Now, of course, it was before your birth, but uh, you will have heard of most of these songs, and I think you'd be able to give give them a decent shot. How's that sound? Let's give it a spin. What do you got for me? Okay, so this was an 80s show. It was, yeah. Um, All of these are. I mean, I could just go through it. It's not Cheers. I can tell you it's not Cheers. I can definitively say it's not <laughs> Cheers. We- oh, oh, this is embarrassing. It's All not, right. It's you're, you're done with this one. We're going to move on. So that was that was Growing Pains. Oh, okay. Classic. All right. There we go. Are you ready for the next one? Let's do it. All right, let's give you another shot here. Wouldn't you like to get away? Hey! Sometimes you want to go 
All right, you got this one. Yes, cheers. Yes, cheers. Thank you very much. You've been guessing cheers on these contests, like every <laughs> contest we have for the past year. So you were bound to get it one of these times. Hey, thanks for setting me up for that, my man. All right. Now, the whole reason, uh, one of the reasons I thought of the 80s in doing this was because of the recent death of the beloved Betty White. That should give you a little clue there. Oh, my goodness. Is this? Oh, I always get them confused. Okay, it's a GG. I know it's a GG. <laughs> but then yeah. it's like there's Gilmore Girls and there's Golden Girls. And I get them conflated, but I think it's Golden Girls. So you fell on your head and now you have some kind of very specific amnesia. Is that it? Yes. Gilmore Girls. Come on. <laughs> Although that had a pretty good theme song, too, but it's not uh, not from the 80s. Betty White, definitely <laughs> in the Golden Girls, not the Gilmore Girls. All right. Are you ready for the next one? Let's do it. All right. Would you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song. Now, this is a well-known song, of course. It was not just part of the, uh, you know, it was well-known before this show ever came on the air. But uh, do you do you have this one? Okay, it's about trying with a little help from your friends. So I'm, I need to think of kind of an ensemble cast yeah. that has people who are friends in it. Uh, um, it's not the yeah, show kind friends. of. kind of. Is it... Craig, I... I've exhausted all my options. Is it? Um, would it is, would it help if I gave you another hint? Yeah. The show is uh, being remade. In fact, it's on right now, and I think it just started. Like, well, it was this season. It might have even been this month. Well, it's not Twin Peaks. That was a while back. Yeah. Um, it's uh, this is this, this makes it worse. This makes it more embarrassing now that I've gotten this hint. Uh, <laughs> it is. Oh, just tell me. It is the Wonder Years. Oh, okay. I wasn't going to get that. All right, all right. We're, we're going to do one more. We're going to do one more so we don't embarrass you uh, too much more. Here, Here's here's one. Um, Would you like a hint? I'd like a, yeah, if possible. Michael J. Fox. So I know he was in Back to the Future. Great Scott! I know he was in Stuart Little. <laughs> I, I. Those are movies. These are TV shows. Uh, so the answer was Family Ties. Family Ties. Yeah. Huh. Interesting yeah. title. Yeah. Classic. One of the more classic, uh, classic theme songs. Of the 80s uh, right there. But you didn't know it. Uh, you know, no offense. No worries. No shame. Thanks. All right. Well, last one. How about one more? Let's do it. Here we go. Love and marriage. Love and marriage. Go together like a horse and carriage. This, I tell you, brother. You can't have 
one without the other. So obviously another one of these songs, well-known, Frank Sinatra, famous. It was used in this uh, series. I want to say this series must have started really late 80s because it went into the 90s. But uh, what, what do you got for me? Craig, um, is this a pretty like comedic show? It is. It is a comedy. Uh, at, at its time when it started, it was really sort of, it's kind of raunchy uh, on a fairly main network. And nowadays it would probably be considered pretty tame. And I think this is another thing where it's probably a movie that I'm guessing, but something tells me the odd couple. <laughs> something that something should be uh, taken out behind the woodshed uh, <laughs> for telling you it's an odd couple. No, this was married with children. Remember the Bundys? Oh, uh, the, the I've heard of that guy. <laughs> yes. Pig, this really makes my stomach hurt. <laughs> yes. Well, there, there's just no hope for you. But uh, you know, that's kind of what I expected. That's okay. Just go back, watch some of these shows. Uh, it'll give you some of the nostalgia that I and many of our listeners probably feel from uh, from hearing some of those songs. But uh, I, I don't even want to tally how many you got. I think it was you might have gotten Cheers, but that was only because you always guessed Cheers. <laughs> you know, I guess Golden Girls with with a little help from my friend. Oh, right, Golden Girl. And then you're conflating the songs, a little help from my friend. See, it's like, oh, I don't know what to do with you. Anyway, we probably, we probably better move on. So I'm excited to talk to our next guest here, James, uh, Chief Marketing Officer with Intellipeer, uh, Brian Gilman. Now, Intellipeer, uh, as we allude to in the interview, recently made our uh, buddy Edward Gately's uh, CF20 list of the 20 top CPaaS providers in the channel. And a communication platform is a service, so we're going to get into that a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about all the different uh, as a services and acronyms there and, and the opportunity for the channel to continue to get involved. Obviously, UCAS, CCAS, these are things that uh, a lot of our audience sells now. Communications platform as a service sort of brings it all together, and, and Telepeer is one of the major players there. So excited to get in talking about the technology and sort of the business part of all that. Yeah, it's going to be an intriguing conversation, uh, learning about this burgeoning technology. Let's do it. All right, everyone. Really excited to welcome into the coffee house, Brian Gilman. Brian is Chief Marketing Officer with Intellipeer. Brian, how are you today? Good. How are you guys? Glad to be here. Glad to have you. We are fabulous. At least I can speak for myself, James. Yeah, I, I would venture to say I'm doing well this morning as well, my friends. Well, that is good to hear. Uh, we probably couldn't get this started if, if I knew that you were not. All right. So, uh, Brian, I want to talk about Intellipeer today. A lot of things happening uh, over there, really making a name for itself in the channel as an omni-channel communication solutions provider and a CPaaS provider. Now, everyone in our audience is really familiar with UCAS, CCAS, a lot of the other uh, as-a-services. <laughs> But uh, CPaaS is, is still a fairly new term to a lot of people. Can you maybe describe uh, what we're talking about and what Intellipeer does in that space? Sure. Uh, you know, you're, you're right. CPaaS is still, I, I hate to say that it's in its infancy when you think about how big the market is right now, but it's still a relatively unknown. And I think part of that is due to the types of audiences that, that CPaaS has historically targeted. At its core, CPaaS are, are a communication building block. So your UCAS solution, let's call it a cloud PBX, and your CCAS solution is essentially a cloud-based contact center. They're, they're, they're singular solutions. 
CPaaS is really the communications building blocks that sit around both of those solutions. They could be voice, they could be messaging, they could be video building blocks that really allow for more modern communications interactions. So think of your mobile first interaction. Think of your, when you go to click, click to call in your, in your, if you're on a company's website, that's a voice API that's being, that's, that's being built. So these API building blocks is really the foundation of what CPaaS is. Now, you brought up the the, the maturity of the uh, of the market. You know, our role in this space. I, th I think the market has been 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 predominantly dominated. It's been dominated by the likes of Twilio and Vonage, which have been developer led businesses. When you think about these building blocks that I'm talking about, historically you've needed developers in that space to go and build out these more modern communications. IntelliPeer's role in the CPaaS space has really been to target the non-developer. How do we build out, how do we leverage our workflows with what we call communications workflow augmentation to build out the same customer interactions in a low-code or no-code environment, which we think will help bring broader adoption to the types of solutions that we're bringing to market. And it feels like good timing that we've got you on the show today because pretty recently our website posted its latest list of 20 top CPaaS providers in the channel, and IntelliPeer was one of them. And I, I'd love to dig a little bit into this topic of AI that IntelliPeer likes to emphasize in your technology. It kind of, kind of also fits into kind of what you're saying about catering to like the low code or no code experience. So I guess, how does AI play into what you're doing and um, what are some of the trends around voice automated AI? Yeah, AI is, is, is a critical component to anything API related. And the reason is, is if you think about, if you think about what's happened over the past two years um, across the world, and you think about how consumption models have changed for most consumers, you know, they're no longer going to the doctor, they're no longer going food shopping, you know, they're, 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 they're leveraging platforms like Instacart or Teladoc or, you know, any one of a number of businesses that they interact with. As a result, the, the amount of channels that they're interacting with have, have really exponentially grown. It's not just a voice call. People are leveraging SMS. They're leveraging it for things like notifications, reminders. It's self -serve, voice self-service. So AI plays a role in all of this because when you think about the number of interactions that take place, how can you bring efficiency into the contact center so that when a customer comes in, it's known that John Smith is calling. John Smith has called four different times, all about an order that he's placed a month ago. Or it could be, you know, it, it allows you the ability to bring up a profile or to, uh, or, or to authenticate an account. So AI is critical in terms of providing the level of intelligence that, uh, that, that's really necessary within the business. Because if you, don't, if you don't carry intelligence across each one of these channels, all you've done is created these siloed experiences within the customer journey, which creates a more fragmented uh, uh, experience and is probably going to drive the customer to go to somewhere else where he's not having to call and authenticate his name four different times before he gets on the phone with a live, uh, with a live agent. Yeah, that's good stuff, Brian. And I want to dig into that uh, just a little bit more. Uh, first, though, I want to mention, and, and James brought it up, the uh, Intel appear landing on the top 20 uh, CPaaS providers list that we publish. I will put 
a link to that uh, list on our uh, landing page of this podcast so you can you can check that out and our audience can check it out as well uh, so again digging in more here into ai um can you talk a little bit more about how it's uh, strengthening the customer experience? I, I think that uh, while this sounds uh, fantastic and what AI can do, there are also the naysayers who are a little bit concerned about AI and the customer experience in some cases is not really enhanced by that. Can you discuss that a little bit? It's a great topic because it was only a couple of years ago where I would sit on a panel and everyone would bring up AI and most people in the audience would, would view it like you just said a four letter word. Um, and I think part of that is because of what we said earlier. There's been a lack of efficiency within the contact center. The customer journey was very fragmented. I always go back to the horrible airline experience when you call in to book a ticket, you know, you authenticate yourself, and then they say, oh, you want international flight. Let me go put you through to international. What's the first thing they ask you? What's your name? What's your, what, what's your birth date? What, give, me, give us the, the, the birth rights to your, to your firstborn. It, right. it's, it was a horrible experience. And so the role that AI plays, and I, I think, I think this, is, this has really fundamentally changed over the past year, I would say, and may, maybe a little bit longer, maybe a little bit less, depending on what company you work for or the types of experiences that you've had. But it's efficiency. AI is really important when you think about what I spoke about earlier. The consumption model has, has changed. And so rather than me being going to a bank, me going to a food store, me going to a doctor, most of my interactions are not going to be are not going to be face to face. More than likely, they're going to be initiated through a digital channel, a website, on the desktop, on my phone. Now, what happens? If, I, if I'm in a digital experience, and the first thing that I do is pick up my phone, I've broken that, I've broken that journey, I've broken that efficiency. And so how can we help solve for a lot of these issues that customers have in the channels that they wanna, that they wanna consume? Because you're gonna call into a 1-800 number and the same experience that you've had over the past couple of years is gonna be the same. Long wait times, or my favorite one, which says, hi, due to call, high call volumes, we can't take your call right now. Click, and you get hung up on. And so if through AI, I can help that customer self-serve so that with very easy, with, with, with very easy um, customer effort, I can track my package, I can authenticate my account, I can consume products via SMS, via voice automation or advanced voice solutions. This is all going to help the customer experience. And I think that a lot of businesses have really figured out where AI plays a role. Now, you said something really important earlier. Some people still believe that AI doesn't work. AI is only as good as the intelligence that the business has behind it. So if they have data sources that are being pulled in from four different, five different, six different platforms, and those platforms don't talk to one another, the role of AI is gonna be marginalized because it can't bring all of that intelligence into one place to see that John Smith is calling about a sale, but John Smith is also a customer who's in my customer database. All of those things have to be brought together. And so AI as a function has gotten significantly better in terms of helping customers self-serve and to help bring efficiency into the business. But if the business that's running the AI doesn't have all of their all of their data in one place, it's going to create a bad experience, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Uh, just as an aside, uh, Brian, 
Uh, James really loves that Geico commercial. Have you seen that where the robot is sitting in the coffee shop yes. and he, he laser beams his uh, laptop because he, he doesn't want to uh, say how many overpasses are in the picture? James loves it. I love it. it. That, that's, one of, that's, that's a fabulous ad recently. I, I, that's one of my favorite ones I've seen. <laughs> it tickles me. <laughs> well, Brian, I wanted to talk a little bit about the role of voice. Um, we know business is becoming more digital, as you said. Where does voice fit in? in this current age? What's its role in customer experience? Still at the center of all things contact center. Um, just because we're creating efficiencies and we're creating net new channels, voice is still one of the primary channels that people want to communicate with. Let me bring up uh, an example here. I, I look at customer interactions as one of two things. It's either an interaction, something that can be solved for very easily, they, that can be easily self-served, or it's something like a moment of truth. You know, come, uh, a person's buying a new home. They're trying to settle in a state. Those are things that really have to be dealt with carefully because it's a much more complex interaction. So voice still has a very, very important role within the contact center. My argument is that I want all of my agents, however many I have, 10, 100, 1,000, I want to make sure that every call that they pick up is one that has to be solved for with that agent. Because if not, and it could have been self-served, I've created a very inefficient channel for my for my agents because you're creating longer hold times. You're, you know, all of those things that, that you don't want to hear about in terms of agent efficiency go out the window. Voice is incredibly important and always will be. It is a matter of making sure that the people who need to get to an agent can get there efficiently and quickly. And those who don't need to speak to an agent have the ability to self-serve. And that's really the, the, the fine line between everything that we're the, the, everything that, that we're doing at Intellipeer is really helping to drive efficiency pre that call ever landing at an agent's handset. I do like that, Brian, giving uh, people the option to uh, have that customer experience the, the, the way they want it to and have it tailored to them. So that's, that's good stuff. If really quickly, if you think yeah. about it, voice is such an expensive channel with, with all of the agents, all of the sunk costs that, that are there. If you can create efficiency so that only the calls that need to get to that agent are getting there, you've really created a much better customer experience. Because if I don't have to wait 20 minutes to get to an agent for something that I could have self-served on my own, why would I want to? Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about uh, IntelliPeer's partner program before we let you go. Uh, who is your ideal partner and uh, what can you offer them that maybe some of your competitors can't? Yeah, so great question. And when I look at when I look at our partners and, and we have, you, know, you mentioned earlier, we, we have a very strong partner program. The types of partners that we attract are broad. Um, you know, they're your traditional UCAS, CCAS sellers. And what do we provide them? Well, we're providing them a lot of the the, the net new channels that, uh, that that customers are looking for that they can't get with an off-the-shelf UC or, or, or CC solution. And once again, we're, we're providing them a solution that does not require heavy developer resources. Our time to revenue is, is incredibly fast, where if you were building with one of our competitive CPaaS platforms that, that, that requires development resources, you could be months to get up, get to get out into market. And with our with our smart flow solutions, we can bring we can bring solutions to market in a matter of hours, if not days. 
and because we're not we don't require those developer resources you don't you can you can build very quickly very efficiently and that makes us very attractive to a lot of partners whether they be you know small partners that are selling that are selling just pbx's or contact center all the way up through more of your your larger systems integrators and we also have a number of partners that are looking to us uh you know in terms of building how can they help build solutions with our communications workflow automation platform so that way they can resell those solutions to the partners um you know we we see the partners as one of our primary channels and one of the uh the strongest ways for us to get our message out into the marketplace Brian, it was great having you on the show and learning about Intellipeer and, and how you're engaging not just the CPaaS space, but also the, the partner space. So thanks so much for joining us today. Guys, I really appreciate it. And thanks also to Intellipeer for its continuing support of our events, uh, the Channel Partners Conference and Expo. We look forward to seeing you guys uh, there again in April. We'll be there. All right, James, good catching up there with Brian, seeing what Intellipeer is doing. A lot of competition in that space. Uh, they're trying to make themselves stand out, and uh, good luck to them the rest of the year. Yeah, I'm interested to see how that market shapes up, you know, the sort of M&A that's involved in, in that. And I think we saw some M&A last year as well. I'm, I'm curious to see how it shakes out and how those customer use cases evolve. Yeah, absolutely. Talking about all those as a services uh, reminds me of how Kevin and I always talked about this podcast being pass you know, like podcasts as a service, like we're really providing some sort of service. <laughs> it's funny because if you were like pass, then you would be like actually podcast as snakes because you'd be hissing. That's a terrible <laughs> joke. Very interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. Or our listeners could take a hard pass on this podcast. I think that's very possible. All right, James, uh, time to wrap it up, I think. Uh, if you want to check out the archive of Coffee with Craig and James, of course, you can go just about anywhere these days that you get your podcasts, as they say. And uh, we would be very much appreciative if you would check us out on our flagship site, <laughs> channelfeatures.com. Thanks so much for joining us, and we hope you will join us again next time when we'll be talking with the fine folks at Spectrum. In a place where everybody knows your name. Painted faces fill the places I can reach. You know